Hi, and welcome back to my corner of the internet. I'm so grateful to keep you company right now. Whether you're taking a walk, driving, clipping your toenails, it's your world. This is our time, you and me, to reflect, connect, and eject the disc of societal expectations from our mental and emotional hard drive. My name is Francesca, and this is The View from My Soapbox. I don't talk much about the pandemic on this show because it's talked about more than enough everywhere else, but COVID cases have been higher than they've ever been where I live, and a few days ago my zone went into another four-week lockdown. So I'm feeling a lot of things. There's definitely frustration and disappointment, but to be honest, I feel grateful and privileged that I've made it this far without having been this heavily impacted by the restrictions. This lockdown is impacting me much more than previous ones, but I know most people have been feeling this pain for over a year now, so I consider myself pretty lucky, all things considered. The most important thing is that all my loved ones, scattered as they may be, are safe and healthy, and I think it's really cool that the internet can keep us all decently connected. It's easy to forget, but barely a decade or two ago, we wouldn't be able to carry on the way we are now during the pandemic. So, lots of disappointment, but lots to be grateful for, too. I don't know about you, but I need a boost. <laughs> Today, I want to talk about inspiration. Let's start with the definition. Oxford defines inspiration as the process of being mentally stimulated to do or feel something, especially to do something creative. Inspiration is such a fickle thing, and it can feel really elusive, but when you look for it, it's all around us. This is something I find helpful to remember when I'm struggling to write, you know, when I have writer's block. I read a statistic somewhere that most podcasts die off by episode 15, and wouldn't you know it, this is number 15. But don't worry, I've got plenty of good stuff planned for the future, but my point is that inspiration is never far off. How can you move through this crazy, interesting, messy, beautiful world without being in awe of the whole thing? It makes me think of an Emily Dickinson quote that my friend found on her teabag a few nights ago. How strange that nature does not knock and yet does not intrude. I'll let you think about that for a second. I think inspiration is kind of similar to nature in that regard. It doesn't knock, it doesn't announce itself before it strikes, but it's never unwelcome and it never intrudes on you. Another thing that comes to mind is the trend of romanticizing your life, which is absolutely everywhere these days. I'm not much of a TikTok person, but I do like this one, at least what I understand about it. And if you know me, you know I don't usually understand much about trends. <clears throat> but I think romanticizing your life is all about emphasizing those moments in your life that are both mundane and picturesque, paying attention to those moments and really sinking your teeth into them rather than just taking them for granted. It's about being mindful of how you live your life. Are you just cruising through, blindly letting things happen to you, letting life happen to you? Or are you living as though you're the main character, and you hold the power over your own narrative? This kind of reframe can be transformational, and as a hopeless romantic myself, I find it almost second nature to romanticize the little everyday moments, and use that as a springboard for mindfulness and gratitude. For example, this morning I was doing the groceries with Adam, and I've always thought grocery hauls were so much fun. You know, I love food, I love being thrifty, I just love this stuff. But I had a moment in the store that exemplifies this whole idea perfectly. I was price comparing some beans or something, and I looked up the aisle, and Adam was picking a bag of rice. Okay, this is so mundane, but I just thought to myself, 
isn't this nice? Like, it's a gray spring day. I've got jalapeno cheddar in my cart. I've got a comfy sweater on. There's Shorty getting some rice, you know? Things are good. <laughs> Romanticizing your life is a direct source of inspiration because it inspires you to create the narrative and create the life that you want for yourself, even in the most mundane of moments. If I'm the main character in that moment, in that store, I'm not grumbling about how it feels like these two idiots are deliberately going the wrong direction up and down every aisle in the store. I'm not stressing out over whether my nunna would judge me for how much ramen I'm eating lately, <laughs> or whether it'll still be raining when we leave the store. I'm not going up to Adam and saying, can you pick a friggin' bag of rice already? Okay, maybe this sounds like a boring movie to you, but the movie I want to star in is the one where she goes up and she gives him a kiss on the cheek and she buys some cinnamon buns and ramen noodles and is just happy to be alive and grocery shopping on that fine Tuesday morning. That's the movie I want for myself. And even in lockdown, life is full of grocery hauls, you know? It's full of peaceful mornings, of nice cups of tea, of sunny walks in the neighborhood, raindrops on the windowpane, lo-fi work sessions, warm showers, reading under the covers before bed... It's full of those little moments that I like to intentionally make space for and then emphasize and romanticize. They're all potential sources of joy, calmness, inspiration. At the end of the day, I think it's a bit misleading to say that you quote-unquote found inspiration. I think inspiration surrounds us. It doesn't need finding. It just needs you to notice it's there. It needs you to pay attention. Let me repeat that because this is important. Inspiration is everywhere. It just needs you to notice it's there. If you're a creative and you're feeling uninspired, you can't just sit around helplessly and wait for inspiration to come. You need to be intentional and active in seeking it out, and you will find it. Before we end, I want to share with you some of the people and things that have been inspiring me lately. Some are famous, others are extremely close to me. There's almost no feeling in the world that I love more than creative inspiration. That feeling where taking in something unique or breathtaking just makes you want to go and create something unique in return. I mean, we spend so much of our lives consuming content, just consuming, watching things, reading things, you know, learning things that other people have done. How much time do we actually spend creating with our own creative energies, putting our own work out into the world? In times when the weather is nasty, the third wave of COVID is raging, and I'm out of work again, the people and things that are still able to give me that rush of inspiration are truly remarkable and worth celebrating. The first source of inspiration that I want to talk about is a bit of a walk down memory lane. I've been rereading Harry Potter, at least the books that I can get my hands on through friends. The reason I bring this up is because I had a really fascinating experience when I started The Philosopher's Stone again a few weeks ago. And bear with me because this is a point even if you have not read them. By the time Harry was walking into the Great Hall of Hogwarts for the first time, I became conscious of what I was feeling in my body as I was reading it. I was completely overwhelmed with this almost unconscious sense of utter comfort, warmth, placidity. It felt like being five years old and coming inside after a long snowball fight. It felt like coming home for Christmas last year. It felt like the first bite of a plate of homemade pasta. It felt like lying down after a long day and sinking into the mattress. Okay, you get the picture. I can't really explain it or do it justice, but what I realized was that 
these books were such a big part of my childhood. And I mean, okay, I had a delightful childhood, but what I realized was how much I relied on that deep sense of belonging that you can get from reading a good book. I realized that I never felt like I belonged anywhere as much as I belonged between the covers of these books, like creeping through the hallways under the invisibility cloak, breaking down in Dumbledore's office, having the Christmas feast in the Great Hall. I know that not everybody feels closely connected to this particular series of books, or books in general, but that's not the point. I think that most of us can relate to that sense of belonging to a place that isn't really a place. A place that exists more in your mind than anywhere else. I mean, take a second to think about it. That sense of belonging, of comfort, being totally at home inside your own head, that's been incredibly inspiring to me lately. It's made me reflect on the real places and the real people, the real communities, that give me the closest thing to that feeling in my real life. It's made me appreciate them so much more and really notice how comfortable and calm they make me feel. It's made me appreciate the importance of connection in these extremely isolating times. And finally, it's made me reflect on how fascinating it is that we can pack up the feeling of home and bring it with us across a country, even across the world. No matter what city we're in, what house we're in, how long we've been there and how many people we may know, home can be anywhere when we've got that thing or that person or even that book that feels like home. In these confusing times when it's hard to know when I'll see my family next, there's nothing quite so comforting as that thought. This idea inspires me to be intentional in cultivating the feeling of home wherever I go, because it reminds me that I am never lost. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. So thank you, Harry Potter. <laughs> Speaking of family, that's the second source. My family has definitely been inspiring me lately. I felt absolutely grounded in my nonno's perseverance and wisdom, in, in my mother's tenacity and mindfulness, in my father's curiosity and quirkiness, and in my brother's passion and dedication. I'm also deeply inspired by my grandpapa and his wife, their relationship with each other and, and their outlook on life and health is really all I wish for myself when I reach their age. I miss all of them, but I'm deeply grateful to know where I come from, and I feel so lucky that I've had them all in my life to model family, adulthood, love, and even aging. It's funny because for a long time I felt like I was in their shadows, particularly that of my brother, but I now feel that he's a trailblazer rather than a shadow over me. Someday he'll finish his exams and he'll listen to this, but when you do, Lorenzo, thank you for being in my life. Thank you for normalizing nonlinearity. Thanks for everything. You inspire me to nurture my passions, to go pedal to the metal after what I want, and to embrace my weirdness. Alright, switching gears, there's another major source of inspiration lately that I've got to share. And if you know me at all, you will not be surprised to hear me say that this is none other and Brene Brown. <laughs> the past year has been a roller coaster, and I'm so grateful that I found her work at this stage in my life. I've been devouring her content, from her podcast to her Netflix special, and most recently three of her books. I'm on Daring Greatly right now, and it's so cool because her work totally builds on itself without repeating itself, but at the same time, there's no wrong place to start because it is all so accessible as far as psychology goes. If you don't know, she researches shame, vulnerability, uh, courage and empathy. She's a prof, a best-selling author, a podcaster, just amazing, 
power woman. She's also had the most watched TED Talk ever. It's about vulnerability, and it's incredible. Okay, this sounds like I'm introducing her as a guest. Uh, I wish. (laughs) One of the things that I love the most about her is that she makes her science accessible. She's built this incredible platform from which she's been able to touch literally millions of lives with her insights on the destructive power of shame, on the importance of authenticity, not just the buzzword, but the real thing, and on the fact that there is no courage without vulnerability. Such incredible insights. Someday I'm going to interview this woman, I swear, and if you want to support me in this by helping me grow this show, you can leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, I'm not making you pay for it yet, and you can share this with a friend. Honestly, sitting down to talk to her, whether I'm recording or not, would be a dream come true. But that's a dream for another day. What I'm trying to say is that Brene Brown inspires me to persevere in working on myself. She inspires me to create the change that I want to see in myself, and she inspires me to practice self-compassion each and every day, because it's a practice. To get more specific, something that really inspired me the other day is what she said in one of her more recent podcasts, which I think is so relevant to these times, so listen up. She was talking about what it means to be calm, and she defined calmness as perspective, mindfulness, and the ability to manage emotional reactivity. I love this definition, because managing my emotional reactivity is something that I'm really working on. It does not come easy. Something happens and I just want to react, you know? I just want to spew my guts out, cry, get pissed off, shut down. It's such a strong instinct. But if I can stay calm and mitigate this reactive, even explosive instinct, I'm able to better digest what happened and decide on the most constructive way to respond. First, you slow things down. You take a second to ask yourself whether you have all the information you need, whether reacting anxiously will help at all. I mean, this is really powerful stuff. Harriet Lerner said once that anxiety is extremely contagious, but so is calm. I love this quote. To be clear, we're talking about the feeling of anxiousness here, not the mental illness. We are living in such anxious times, and this anxiety is contagious. When someone around us is freaking out, it makes it so much more likely and easy for us to freak out as well. But the opposite is also true. When one person in a room says, okay, let's take a deep breath, let's hit pause, let's reflect on this. Is it as bad as it seems? Do we have all the information we need? Will freaking out be helpful? How can we adapt? I mean, that sense of calmness and perspective is also absolutely contagious. Brene talks about mirror neurons, and okay, this is not a psych or neuroscience episode, and I haven't done much research on this, so take it with a grain of salt, but my understanding is that these neurons fire when we observe others performing the same behavior that we are, or the other way around, meaning these neurons help us emphasize with and understand other people. So, to completely oversimplify and de-science this, as one does, Our brain is wired to put back out into the world the energy we're taking in from other people. Whew, okay, Francesca, time to shut up about Brene Brown. (laughs) Okay, you guys know that you practically need to set an egg timer on me every time I get started on her. The point is that her wisdom and her research have been absolutely lighting up my life lately, and they've been really guiding me in navigating this surprising and bizarre and challenging chapter of my life. So if you're in need of a bit of guidance, or if you're interested in working on yourself like we discussed in the last episode, her work might just be for you too. 
Guys, as we head into our second COVID summer, I want to leave you all with a message of hope. With the vaccine rollout going slowly but surely, the end is in sight. We don't know when it will be, but we know that it's coming. And sooner than you know it, we'll all be back together again. Things are a little fucked, for sure, pardon my French, but meanwhile, the world goes on. Our grandchildren will ask us about this, about what it was like in 2020 and 2021 when the world completely fell off its axis. And you know what we're going to tell them? We're going to tell them that we persevered, as we had to, because there was no other choice. And with luck, we'll even tell them that we made the most of it. We'll tell them we noticed inspiration in all the nooks and crannies and we romanticized every moment we could. That's it for today. Until next time, be gentle with yourselves, let the soft animal of your body love what it loves, and don't forget to enjoy your life.